Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And we welcome this morning from your house, amen, Reverend Jerry A. Mason in the Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> Greetings, everyone, this morning in the lovely name of Jesus. What a pleasure it is to be in the house of the Lord with you today and uh, feeling the presence of God. Man, I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. What a powerful, powerful song today. There's times in life we just have to wait. Amen. And there's no, no greater place that I can think of to wait today than in the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you'll turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12, uh, we're continuing on in uh, the Christian family. Uh, I read the entire passage of reading last week. I'm not going to read the entire thing again. Uh, we are going to move to Romans chapter 12. For our beginning today, uh, in verse number 10, I've, got, I've allowed myself a very small runway of refresher. Uh, it's going to be very short. The plane's going to take off uh, shortly after that. And so if you are curious, if you're just joining us and you want to know what happened in the first session, by all means, please go back and check our archives. And may the Lord bless you for that. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10 says... Be ye kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Amen. Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. <clears throat> to recap a little bit, last week we talked about the divine principle of preference and in honoring each other. I believe our society at large would be uh, in less despair today if we would practice this in our lives, not only in our homes, but if somehow we could adapt this in our natural walk with, with uh, men and women around us today. The phrase preferring one another in the book of Romans chapter 12 means to show deference to or to submit to. This is a Bible principle, and it is in alignment with a scripture that the psalmist David penned in chapter 127 and 1 that says, Except the Lord build the house, they, that labor, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We talked last week about how every role in the home is unique and is different, but equally important. We talked about how that uh, the husband is to be under submittance to God and to his headship and his lordship, and how that the husband is not to lord over his wife, but they are both uh, equally important, but have, according to God's word, two very separate and distinct roles in the home. We talked about even how that uh, in our society today it seems that some roles have been reversed in many different ways. But the divine order of the family is simply this. It is Christ first, the husband, then the wife, and then the children. I gave you a couple of examples last week of how uh, I, I feel like that my family, my wife and I may have gotten a few things right in life. I've probably failed more than I've ever got it right, but the times that we got it right, we believe are important. We cherish those times. I gave you a couple of examples of those as it relates to our son in his upbringing and growing up. <clears throat> but I will tell you this morning at the onset of this lesson today that it is also possible for you to get everything right and still not have good results. There are, there are people that I know that are watching this morning by way of the internet and that they, that they have not misstepped and that they have gotten it right and they have raised their children according to God's divine principles. 
And the end result was still not what they desired because perhaps maybe those children that were raised in the nurture and admonition of God's family and God's word, perhaps they walked away from that and forsook it to, to chase after a, a, a different dream, after a different meaning. That can leave parents with a undeniable uh, heavy load and world of hurt. And I would say to you this morning that, that I, I, my hat's off to you for not misstepping and, and getting it right in spite of the results. When you get it right and you've got good results, that's a reward. When you get it right and you don't have the results, then you're wondering where the reward's at. But ladies and gentlemen, we might not have every, every reward we desire in this life, but in that life, we will see Jesus. We will have a reward for our labor today. Saints of God is not in vain. It is not in vain. It is not in vain. We don't give up just because we don't see the reward. What I didn't tell you last week, and I didn't, I didn't come to roast my son this morning, but what I didn't tell you last week is that he is an extremely strong-willed individual. And there were many times in the last uh, 20 years or so, 21 years as my wife corrects me, there are many times in the last 21 years that uh, my wife and I have looked at each other. He might not be aware of this, but he will be after today. That we have looked at each other and said, what do we do? It's not working. <laughs> what, what do we do? And we both would, would try our best to lift each other up and say we keep doing what we're doing. Because what we're doing is the right thing. It used to aggravate me to no end. Because my son was a very, is still, but was as a child a very strong-willed child, uh, I oftentimes took a very firm approach that caused some scrutiny and debate among some individuals around me, but that's okay. But it aggravated me to no end, absolutely no end. Bishop, I know you're watching this morning and I love you, but I think he's the only person on the face of God's earth that could take a soft voice to a strong-willed person and get his point across. Just aggravates me. Papaw could just say it. And the boy would say, all right, Papaw. Dad could say it. I put it to the test. I could say it. I, I tried that soft answer with him a few times. It didn't work for me. And I still to this day haven't figured out what he did right and what I did wrong. But it was something because it didn't work for me. But let me tell you, whatever you're doing in your home, if you're doing the right thing, even if you don't have the right results yet, keep doing the right thing. Don't give up the fight just yet. Because in the Christian family and in God's principles and God's word, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this morning, it's worth it. It's worth it, and if it's not worth it here, it will be worth it when we get over there. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he, sh he shall have no need of spoil. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is rottenness to his bones. The greatest strength of the godly woman is her virtuous character and lifestyle. With it, she honors God, her husband, her family. She is a living testimony of divine obedience to both angels and mankind, the husband, higher authorities. Husbands are instructed to be submissive and obedient to the authority placed over them, which is God, the church, the employer, the government. Just as Christ was submissive even unto death, it's important to note that submissive is, submissiveness is not only required of the wives. And I know I mentioned this last week. I know because this passage starts off with that, that's sometimes where we start and where we stop, but we would be in error to do that today. Submission is also required of husbands. 
Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. 1 Peter 2 and 13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or to unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. There are some men in society today that are always looking to stick it to the man. They're always looking to get by with whatever they can do. They're always looking to do whatever they can to their employer or to their family or to anybody that they don't like. Be careful, sir, because every step you take, you're teaching a lesson to your child and you're raising the next generation of response to our society, to our government. And might I segue here for just a moment into current events, if you wonder wonder today why society has digressed to the level that it has today I believe this is Mason chapter 5 verse 1 you disagree just don't turn the channel on me just disagree with me but I believe today that our society is in the place it's in because somewhere the family has lost its God ordained structure there's not enough teaching in the home there's not enough uh, uh, deliverance coming out of the home. You say, well, are parents supposed to teach children? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not just in words, but in actions. It's an error on our part as parents today to expect our children to do something we're not willing to do. <clears throat> so the husband's role with his children today is important. The father's responsibility to his children to bring them up to love and to serve the Lord. Ephesians 6.4 says, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Christian father must take care not to incite anger in his children by behaving in ways that are uncaring, unfair, overbearing, unreasonable. I know I'm watching people this morning that have done that. I know there's probably been times in the last 20 years I've done that. But it doesn't negate what the Word of God tells us today that our responsibility is still to submit to His Spirit, submit to His Word, and understand that we are not to provoke our children. And when you do, it is your duty as a parent, as a godly man, and as a father figure to go to that child and apologize. You're never going to get it right 100% of the time, but how you respond to it when you get it wrong is also a teaching moment. It's also a lesson for your children. It's also something that they need to take away from how to respond when they get it wrong. One of the most powerful things that I ever heard Dr. Dobson say about raising children, he said all kinds of powerful things, but one of the most powerful things to this, this father was that that. Children need to hear the word no. Because they're looking for boundaries. And when they find the boundary, it starts getting better. You don't have to say no as, as often when you set the boundaries. But when you don't say no and when you don't say bound when you don't set boundaries then you're going to constantly live in frustration of why do they do this why do they do that why can't I get them to mind if the only time you ask your children to mind is when you're frustrated you started way too late It's our duty and obligation as fathers today and mothers I don't want to leave them out but this topic right now is about the fathers is to Nurture the children. Now, when I think of the word nurture, I, I often think about 
mothers nourishing their child or feeding their child. I often think about nourishment and, and, and things along that line. But nurture in the Greek is translated as meaning education or training. Also translated as meaning disciplinary correction or chastisement. Now, if we read that verse one more time in Ephesians 6, 4, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the education, training, disciplinary correction or chastisement and admonition of the Lord, it takes on a new reflection. It provides a different meaning. It's not just about nourishment. It's about leadership. It's about training and discipline. Now, all you anti-discipline folks, hear me for just a moment. Discipline is not just about spanking. Discipline is to the point of saying, no, we don't do that because. Discipline, I might say, and I, I, don't, I don't want this to become Parenting 101, so let me just say this and I'll try to move on. But discipline even goes to the, far, the, the point of when you say no and you ground your child, don't give back in and reverse it five minutes later. If you did it the right way and you did it with person with purpose, then discipline has to take its course. Parenting is not for the weak. And it is a marathon, not a sprint. I promise you that. Nurture, education, training, discipline, correction, chastisement. A father who does not both train and discipline his children is neglecting. Now this is, let's get back onto the word of God here. Is neglecting his God-ordained duty of being a father. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4 reads, and it starts with a very familiar verse today, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Here we go now, verse number 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, to thy children, so they must be talking to the parents. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Children need to hear their father, their parents, teach them the principles of God's word. They need to see fathers treat their mother with dignity and respect. They need to see fathers treat their brothers and sisters with courtesy and respect. They need to see him obey his spiritual and civic leaders. Fathers who don't worship have children who oftentimes, more often than not, don't worship. I can't tell you how many times in my life as a youth pastor in this church that I have taught worship to our students only to see them stand in congregation worship and look over their shoulder at their parents to see if they were for a cue as to whether or not it was okay. It's that important today. It's that important. If we don't worship, we can't expect them to. While truth must be taught, it must also be caught. Children catch truth when it is lived honestly in front of them because actions always speak louder than words especially children. Fathers are to admonish their children. Admonish in the Greek means calling attention to. It's a mild rebuke or warning. It's also to encourage. Proverbs 3.12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even as a father the son in whom he Delighteth. Fathers are to admonish, rebuke, warn, encourage their children in a firm but gentle way. You have to find that way, that method, that practicality for yourself, but make sure it's found in the Word of God. 
Somebody say amen. Moving now to the biblical role of the wife or of the mother. Ephesians 5 and 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. It has already been established that the wife should receive honor, respect, and love in the family relationship. However, the scripture also indicates that there are responsibilities and duties assigned to her. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, I find it interesting that uh, a writing that was penned uh, around 2,000 years or so ago is specific enough to say, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as an instruction to us when we live in a day when wives, some wives, not, not all wives, but, but it, it is not as uncommon as it should be to see wives submit to everybody but their husband. And the verse continues to say, as it is fit in the Lord. As it is fit, as it is proper, as it is correct. In the Lord. Submission is one of the most beautiful and powerful concepts in the New Testament, and it has been uh, it has been stretched out of proportion by our society. It means to yield willing obedience to an ordained power and authority. All disciples are instructed to be in submission to others. The New Testament clearly teaches that the wife should have a deferential spirit toward her husband. That's one of deference, not indifference. A deferring spirit toward her husband. The husband and wife should work together to make major decisions. But when there is a difference of opinion, the Bible says that the wife should defer to her husband. The wife's submission is not to be demanded by the husband. This is where we go astray oftentimes. Submission should be given, not taken. However, scriptural principles indicate that refusing to submit to a God-given authority is the same. I know this is a little, little uh, black and white, and I'm not trying to get in anybody's grill this morning, but this is, this is what the Bible teaches us, that refusing to submit to a God-given authority is the same as refusing to submit to God. As we have already seen, the Bible teaches submission one to another. Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Wow, there's, there's power in that statement. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Let me just pause right there and say today that if we had more humility in our lives, submission, whether it's the father to God, whether it is the wife to the husband, or the children to the parents, humility would put us in position that submission would not be an issue. But the reason why we struggle with submission in our lives is because of a lack of humility. It's ego, it's pride, it's things that it's carnal things that get in our way. Continuing 1 Peter 5 5 and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So, laying wives and moms aside for just a moment, we can see easily today that submission, according to God's word, one way or the other is required of all believers. When you repent, you are submitting. When you are asking God to forgive you, you are submitting to someone that you believe has the authority to forgive you. That's submission. The wife is also instructed to reverence her husband, to treat him with respect, admiration, awe, esteem. To better understand this, let's look at Ephesians 5.33. We're going to look at it in both the King James and the Amplified Version this morning. 
In the King James, Ephesians 5 and 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Now, I believe, I believe today, I believe if we husbands can get that right, the next statement, I believe, happens naturally. What I'm saying this morning is, is by my reading of God's word today, I believe part of a wife's lack, not, not all of it, but part of a, of a wife's lack of submission to her husband is the responsibility of the husband. I don't think it's all her fault. I'm not saying that she doesn't bear some responsibility in the matter. But a husband's got to give a wife someone to love and respect. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Amplified version today reads this way. However, let each man of you, without exception, love his wife. As his very own flesh. And let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband. That she notices him. Regards him. Honors him. Prefers him. Venerates and esteems him. And that she defers to him, praises him, and loves and adores him exceedingly. Now if you have a a moderate to severe issue with those adjectives this morning, I would ask you to take that up with the Lord because I didn't write it. But some very, very uh, explicit means by which humility and honor is esteemed in the spousal relationship. So this bears a question. It brings up a question Oftentimes, and I want to address that question this morning, what about the unsaved husbands or wives? Do the same principles apply? I have heard it said many times throughout my life. I have heard it said, well, the Bible says uh, uh, be, un be subjected to your husband in the Lord. So if they're not in the Lord, you shouldn't have to be under subjection to them. Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any husband obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation, that's the behavior, of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. The word conversation here in the Greek means to conduct behavior or manner of life. So the scripture is teaching us that the godly behavior, the example here set before us is that of an unsaved husband. And the scripture is teaching us that the godly behavior of a wife is a powerful tool in bringing the unsaved husband to salvation. And that an unsaved husband is more likely to be won by what he observes rather than what he hears. I would submit to you today that the same is also true where the husband obeys God's word and the wife doesn't. If you treat your spouse contrary to what God's word sets forth for us and still expect them at that point to be saved, you have reduced your chances for them submitting to God because this is what God's Word tells us today. And God's Word always supersedes any human authority. When a choice has to be made, we must choose to submit to God first. Acts 5 and 29 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. Somebody say amen. The Christian who has an unsaved spouse must do his or her best to fulfill the Bible command concerning family and relationship regardless of what his or her spouse chooses to do. 
The mother is also responsible for nurturing and training her children today. The father is responsible. We nailed the dads just a few moments ago. But wives and mothers also bear a responsibility for nurturing and training children. And the major responsibility in the management of the home is placed in the charge of the wife and of the mother. Titus 2 and verse number 4 says that they, speaking to the older women, may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, moderate, self-controlled, what that's referring to, to love their children, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Let's go back to Proverbs 31. A little bit more of a lengthier reading, but I want to cover a few things here. We'll read through the Word of God. In Proverbs 31, beginning at verse number 10, we've already read it once, let's refresh it. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's pretty good. The husband who has to lay his head on his pillow in fear of his life is in a bad position. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So if we recap and look over this passage of scripture today, we see that her value is above precious jewels. She is reliable and trustworthy. She is diligent in managing her household. She is industrious and hardworking. She makes important decisions. She is skillful in handling her duties and responsibilities. She is known for her personal strength and honor. She demonstrates wisdom. Her words are kind. Her children love and admire her, and her husband loves and admires her. Now we could probably... Stop and dissect each of those this morning because I think they're that important and they're that big of topics. They're, they're rich with value. But I'll let you do that in your personal, your personal Bible study because <clears throat> I want to get done today. Amen. The children, moving on to children, in the scope of the Christian family, The Bible 
responsibilities of children. Now, I, I want to say something here as, as we, we go through this and, and hopefully come to a close today on this lesson. The Bible is, is clear about the responsibilities of children, but I want to say one thing to parents, that children don't have this innate, inborn uh, uh, means of, of God-given obedience that they're just born with. <clears throat> Isn't that right, Mariah? They have to be taught. So everything that we're going to look at here that is two children, I would, I would say to parents this morning, don't look at your children today and say, yeah, see there, that's what the Bible says. It's your responsibility to teach them and to be an example to them so that when they hear these things, they already know them by way of example in their home. So... Trying to help out the kids just a little bit this morning because they need to be taught. Let's, let's move on. The role of the children. We're moving to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 8. The role of children is defined in the Bible. It's simple and it's clear. It's obey. And we see that in many different places. Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Colossians 3.20 says, Children... Obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And this is possibly, possibly one of the hardest scriptures for a child to listen to. Obey your parents. If it just said obey your parents... A child, Brother Zach's smiling this morning, I think, and I don't really know why, but that's all right. But I, if it just say, children, obey your parents, we could probably stop there, close the book, say amen, and move on without giving it a second thought. But it says, obey your parents. Three words. Are you ready? In all things. As with any topic that requires submission and obedience for any of us, that is easy when you agree. But you cannot gauge your submission and your obedience to an authority figure based on your agreement. Your submission and your obedience is gauged by your disagreement. Children are no different. I know what I did as a kid. I listened to this verse word for word. And then I did my own thing. But that was, this is an example for you today. That was not because it wasn't taught in my home. And you know what my parents did? And what they taught me to do, and by virtue of example, what they taught me to do whenever I had my own strong-willed child? What they did? They kept doing it. They kept exampling it. They kept demonstrating it. They kept modeling it. And they did not give up in spite of the difficulties and the failures that I presented them with. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 1, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Proverbs 13, 1, A wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. In the Bible, <clears throat> Disobedience in children was a very serious offense. When we rebel against or disobey our parents, it is the same. According to God's word, it's the same as if we are rebelling against God and disobeying Him. Families, 
parents who don't teach their children and they let them grow up to just believe whatever they want to do, they're not only outside of God's word and God's will, but they're doing a great disservice to their children. Our, 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 our number one responsibility, yeah, we're supposed to love them, we're supposed to protect them, we're supposed to feed them, and we're supposed to provide for them. But our responsibility doesn't stop there. Our responsibility is to teach and guide and train them so that they might develop obedience to God. Ephesians 6 and 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <clears throat> Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children should not treat their parents with disrespect, ridicule, mock, scorn, or curse them. But again, let me, let me be redundant here this morning. I, I, I lean back to if children are behaving in those ways, it's the parents' responsibility to nurture them. And if we go back to that definition of nurture today, it included discipline. It included instruction. It included education. My son and I had several educational training sessions along the way. So that he might be nurtured and he might be obedient. Why? Because I want him to obey God. I want him to live long on the earth. I want him to be in God's will. And I want him to be a good civic person who is respected. Matthew chapter 15 and 4. We're going to land the plane here in just a few moments. Matthew 15 and 4. Jesus said, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. And he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. Proverbs 20 and 20. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp, the word lamp there is a figurative meaning, it, it, the light of life. His lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. That sounds like the death. Deuteronomy 27 and 16 says, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. The scriptures don't just apply to children. Adults as well as children have a scriptural obligation today to honor parents and to treat them with dignity and respect. You know, you can treat someone with dignity and respect and still not agree with them. That's a lesson I wish our society would learn today. Proverbs 23 and 22 says, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. <clears throat> I want to close with a few comments this morning because in our society today, there's not just a clear, distinct father, wife, child relationship. We have, through uh, numerous decades of change in our, our global society today, we have developed a non-traditional family. We have developed a, a situation for various reasons that not everyone in the church or without of the church is a part of a traditional family structure. And I want to be sensitive to that today, but we need to understand that divorce, single parenthood, widowhood, and singleness also existed in Bible times. And that gives us an example today. And just to give you a few references today, the Samaritan woman had been married five times and the man she was with when she encountered Jesus wasn't even her husband. Divorce was not unknown in the Bible known from even the times dating back to Moses. 
Widows and fatherless children are frequently mentioned in both Old and New Testaments. And instructions were given in Scripture to treat these women and fatherless children with kindness and benevolence. The Apostle Paul does not forbid marriage, but suggests that it is a good thing when single individuals choose to remain single as he, and to give themselves wholly to the work of God. So there was singleness even in Bible times. There are many types of non-traditional families in the world today. Each one must be evaluated and judged according to Bible principles. But let us always remember today that God can be whatever we need Him to be in every circumstance. And there might be limitations on my ability to influence a child if I'm in a non-traditional family. But I would declare to you today that if you will still submit to God and follow after His Word, and follow His instructions, that you are responsible for you. Not the same as with the traditional home, even in a non-traditional setup, I would say today that you are responsible for obedience to God's Word, and let the results be the results, and let God be God. Psalm 68 and 5 says, A father to the fatherless and a judge. Judge in that context meant protector of the widows. Is God in his holy habitation. And Psalm 68 and 6, I close with this today, says, God setteth the solitary in families. And he bringeth out those which are bound with chains in all family relationships today. I want to ask Pastor to come this morning and close this service for us today. The Bible says uh, it, it leads us to understand today that in all family relationships, we must remember that our role is not to be served, but to serve. And if we can understand servanthood today, then all of these difficulties and controversies will start dissipating in, in, right in front of our eyes today. Could you just lift your hands and just love the Lord this morning as Pastor comes today? Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. We appreciate the Lord this morning and His Word, the Christian family. Amen. This is just not, again, uh, just an isolated lesson, but this is a part of this complete series of bringing this from uh, not knowing the Lord to a place of knowing the Lord in maturity. Is the Christian family then a part of this progression in the Lord? Absolutely. Uh, the book of Ephesians tells us in Ephesians uh, 4, I believe it is, uh, how we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And it's after that, if you continue reading in Ephesians, it talks about our one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one father in God who's above all, through all, and in you all. It goes on then into talking about, and he gave some prophets, teachers, pastors, those things that we've already talked about. It goes on into the other chapters as Brother Mason has been in even today, Ephesians 5, talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife, on to Ephesians 6, instructions to the children. All of that in, in reality is part and parcel of us keeping the unity of the Spirit. That was first ever spoken of the doctrine, uh, the, the leadership, the dynamics of church government to the Christian family, even amen. And so we need that in our homes and in our families. Amen. We need to illustrate uh, the love and the characterization of God. Amen. There as well. We thank Brother Mason this morning. Amen. For sharing that with us. Those things that were spoken today are good practical truths for husbands and wives and children and the interdependence and interaction on them between each other. Amen. To mirror that in our lives. Uh, there are people today looking for an example. There is a society today looking for an example. 
And so let's try to exemplify that in our lives. Amen. As the Lord has has asked of us in his word. I want to pray right now for families. Is that okay? I'm going to pray for the families, not just the Christian family, but families uh, in general all across our nation and world. Father, I come to you this morning. I pray, oh, Lord, yes, indeed, God, for the Christian family. But, God, I pray, Lord, for families in general today across our nation, across our world. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, who in these times, Lord, in which we live in many respects is under attack in some means, in some way. God, people are trying to redefine what the family is or redefine, Lord Jesus, how that interaction between a husband and a wife should be. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, that we look to you. Lord, the standard of your word. We look, Lord, to creation. Lord, even God, for a understanding, God, of what the family is and what your vision is of it and what it's to be composed of. I pray, oh Lord, today, God, you're able to protect homes, husbands, and wives, and children. God, in many areas, God, some of those relationships and roles have been violated, Lord, taken advantage of or misused and misappropriated. I pray, oh God, today, let the power of your spirit, God, come down to be a teacher among us in these times. Help us, Lord, to exemplify it, Lord, in our homes, in our families, as the word of God, Lord, has urged us to do so. God, for the greater, Lord God's and aspect of the world to have somewhere that they can look to and have confidence in God that's mirroring the wishes and the divine order of heaven in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you today. Please remember the video for the guidelines of starting again back on Wednesday. A church will be posted later today, isolated as itself at 12 o'clock, somewhere around then, along with the document. Amen. We're line by line. You can read for yourself of those things uh, that we are endeavoring uh, to do as we come back in-house. Amen. But we will be here tonight. Live stream. Come and join us once again. Amen. As we worship and praise the Lord, have a blessed afternoon. God bless you in Jesus name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.